You're listening to Coffee Break with New York Wiki. I'm your host, Julie hockheiser Ilkovich. Today, I'm joined by Latina Lindsay, who's the Vice President, Global Communications at Peloton, and I am thrilled to be having this conversation with her. Welcome, Latina. Hi, Julie. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to talk about you and about Peloton, which is just the, the brand that we're all, we're all talking about. So we are so excited to have you here to join us. We always start by talking about coffee, love to talk about coffee. Um, we are talking on a very chilly, snowy Brooklyn morning. I've already had, unfortunately finished my coffee. What is your coffee drink of choice? So my coffee drink of choice is an Americano, light sugar and extra half and half. So I like it creamy. I will confess, however, that I sometimes cheat on the Americano with a chai tea latte, <laughs> but I always come back to my true love, which is the Americano. <laughs> I love that. If you, um, it's, it's okay to have two loves in this scenario, in this scenario. Do Thank you, you. Thank you for that permission. But do you find, are you making your coffee? At home, are you still letting yourself pop out to a coffee shop? Like how are, in these times, the, the conversation around coffee is, you know, how's it I, happening? I know, I know. So for, for many months at the height of the pandemic, I will say um, that I was making my own coffee. I don't have an espresso machine. So I had to revert back to coffee and, you know, force myself to drink regular coffee. But, but then I realized how much I missed my Americanos from my local coffee shop down the street. That's very protective. They follow all of the local safety guidance. And um, so we started, my husband and I started popping back in and getting our daily Americanos. And it's really just been an aha, amazing moment. I, I will tell you, like I, the, from going from like buying a coffee every day, going to the office to like coffee as the big coffee that someone else makes as the biggest treat. That's Ex exactly right. I'm like, I, I just, just the walk to and from is nice to A, get out of your house in the midst yeah. of COVID and B, have an interaction, even though you're talking through plexiglass <laughs> with another right. human being outside of your household. And then just having that warm, delicious drink that you've known um, so well and is, is treasured and being able to partake in that daily. It's, it's been really nice. Uh, yes, the daily, the daily rituals, doing anything, even if it's routine, but doing anything then sitting at our desks in, uh, you know, at home is definitely a, a major treat, um, something exactly. to look forward to. I'd love for you to walk us through your own career path, talk a little bit about like from college, you know, what you studied and then internships you had and the jobs that you, that you've had throughout the years. Sure. Um, so I am a Midwesterner at, at, at heart and in real life. I grew up in Springfield, Missouri. And I went to the University of Missouri Journalism School, which is one of the top journalism schools in the country. And while I was there, I definitely did participate in internships. I did an internship with a local ABC affiliate. And then I also um, did an internship on the public relations side with AT&T. And while you're a student in the journalism school, one of the interesting things is that one of the requirements is that you must work at um, my degrees in broadcast journalism. So I had to work at the local NPR station and the local news station, KONU-TV NBC affiliate in Columbia, Missouri. And so I was able to actually get real life experience working in broadcast television while I was getting my education. And it was in those moments of doing that that I realized, hmm, 
maybe this is not something that I actually want to do for the rest of my life, which I think is, a, is what internships are supposed to be for and what real life experience while you're in college is supposed to be for. So I knew that I had a passion for journalism and I had a passion for broadcast journalism, but I also didn't love the idea of trying to juggle coming into work at 5 a.m. and hoping to leave at, at 3 p.m. but there was a breaking fire and then you were whisked off for another five hours and, and up all night editing a package for air um, and then having to start all over again while making $3 a week. <laughs> I, say, I say that in jest, Why not? obviously. Why not? That sounds great. <laughs> but, right. So, so I really had to decide, you know, what type of life career could I have for myself where I could still engage with media but have a bit more stability. And so that's when I explored these internships with public relations. And one of the first ones was with AT&T, really enjoyed it. And upon graduation, I ended up actually taking a year long internship at Leo Burnett Advertising based in Chicago, working in their PR arm. They're an advertising agency, but they have an internal PR team that essentially works for client teams within the agencies on the brands that they work on. So I did that for about a year. And then I went to a, a very small agency called RJ Dale Advertising and Public Relations, working on the Illinois lottery account. And fun fact, at the time when I was working on that account, Desiree Rogers ran the Illinois lottery. She subsequently, if that name sounds familiar, went on to be the White House social secretary under President Obama. So I was, um, at the time, obviously I had no idea that I would be working with the potential future White House Social Secretary. Wow. Um, but I always like to say that's kind of my claim to fame. Um, <laughs> so I stayed there for a bit and then moved on to a much larger agency, Fleischman Hillard, also based in Chicago, working on consumer healthcare um, and B2B clients. And then I ended up leaving Chicago and moving to New York. And once I came to New York, I actually moved in-house. So instead of working on the agency side, I moved in-house and worked for Essence Magazine. So that was my first in-house position doing media relations for the magazine, um, as well as their entertainment properties, the Essence Music Festival, which is a big, formerly before COVID, which was a big event in New Orleans over the July 4th weekend. And then the Essence Awards, which unfortunately no longer exists, but really enjoyed my experience there. And then went on to work at Hearst Magazines, where I met the illustrious Julie Hockheiser. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I, I, I really cut my teeth in the magazine world there because I was able to work on and oversee nine of the brand's 19 magazines at the time. Their portfolio was, was 19 magazines, including magazines such as Cosmopolitan, Harper's Bazaar, Red Book, um, uh, Marie Claire, and then 17. And, um, and then I went to Bauer. So I was there for a number of years, but then went to Bauer Publishing, which has um, magazines in their portfolio, like the guilty pleasures that we all enjoy, In Touch, Life and Style, Woman's World, also the teen magazines such as J14, M and Twist. And, um, and once I left Bauer, I really had a decision to make because I had a number of years under my belt in terms of what I had done in my career and I had an opportunity to go to another organization, but I, I felt strongly that maybe now was the opportunity or maybe then was the opportunity for me to start my own consulting business. And so it wasn't a decision that I made lightly. I felt it was really important for me to talk with my husband because this would be life-changing for both of us. He was incredibly supportive. And so I launched my own PR consultancy and I was a team of one 
for almost a decade working on mostly media and consumer lifestyle brands. And um, closer to the end of doing that, one of my clients was Peloton. <laughs> and so um, the interesting story is that when I was working at Hearst, my, uh, the head of the team that I was working on actually ended up going to Peloton as the head of global communications. And she and I had remained close over the years working on various projects in and out and also became friends. And so when she went to Peloton, she was a team of one because she was the first hire when it came to global communications. And I remember us having a coffee one day and she told me about her great new position. I was still consulting and I offhandedly said, hey, you know, if you ever need any support, please just give me a call. I have a bit of bandwidth. I'd love to work with you if you need it. Really not thinking anything would ever come of it. And about three months later, she reached out and, and um, essentially said, help, <laughs> I am completely underwater and I really need the support. And so I said, absolutely, I'd love to do it. And so I went there and consulted for a few months and really served in helping her create a strategy and figure out what the needs were from a public relations side and also um, helping her try to interview and build her team. And over the course of the time I was there, I really started to fall in love with the work, the people, what they stood for. And, and um, we interviewed a number of people that just weren't quite the right fit. So one day I had kind of an aha moment and I, I said to myself, you know, I, I feel like I should throw my hat in the ring for this job. I wonder if she would consider it. And so I went into work that day and we were in a meeting and at the end of the meeting, we were talking about this role and simultaneously, we kind of both threw out the same idea. So she said that she had been at home talking to her, her husband, whom I know, he suggested, you know, why don't you just hire Latina? And she told me that. And I was like, that's so interesting because I was going to say, hey, I'd like to throw my hat in the ring. <laughs> um, and so this opportunity kind of became a, a reality. And um, the other thing that was, it was very humbling for me is that that same, I think it was in the same day or, the, or the, within the 48 hours, I can't remember the exact timeline, but I was in meetings with both the CEO, John Foley, and uh, the president, William Lynch of Peloton. And they each asked me, would I be interested in staying on full time? Not knowing that Jessica and I, who's my, who was my um, former boss at the time, current boss now, uh, not knowing that we had already had that conversation. And so I felt like it was a sign <laughs> that um, it was something that I needed to do. And it was a big step. You know, I'd had my own consultancy business for almost a decade and then coming back into corporate America, it wasn't something that I took lightly, but it really felt right to me. It really, really did. And so I, I, um, Kind of shuttered my business, came on board, and I haven't looked back. And it really has been one of the best decisions I've ever made. I love that. And I love like the networking of it all. I mean, you met Jessica, you kept in touch, like, you know, you had a whole, not a different career, but a different career path. And it just really, um, it worked out. I, 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 we talk a lot about the show about the power of networking. I mean, that's essentially almost always how it works, right? Keeping in touch with people, making sure you're Exactly. creating and maintaining relationships. So what are some of the pros and cons you've experienced in terms of working for yourself and working in the corporate world? And what lessons, um, you know, what lessons were you able kind of almost to take away from each that helped you? Like, for example, I worked in the corporate world for a long time before starting my own company. And I really so value all of the red tape 
and all of the corporate lessons I had to learn when I was starting my own company and either, you know, understanding why companies do things or saying like, this makes no sense. Um, but, but knowing that there is process, right. And that, that, that was a good lesson for me. So like, what are some of the pros and cons have you found? Cause I know a lot of people who listen to the show are constantly kind of debating that, especially in this industry. Do I work for myself? Should I go to a corporate job? Uh, what's your take on it? Yeah. That's a great question. And I will start by saying I am not only a, a wife, but I'm also a mom. And so I have to take that into consideration. So one of the things that I truly enjoyed about working for myself, first and foremost, I would say would be the flexibility of the day. And um, knowing that at any given moment, if there were a school share or a recital or something I needed to be at, it was very easy for me to just say, yes, I will be there. There wasn't process to your point um, in terms of having to ask for time off or go in, you know, figure out how you juggle your schedule. And so I really appreciated that. And then the other thing I really enjoyed is maybe not early on in the process, but once I became more established, I was able to work really only on business that interested me. I think when you first start your own business, you take everything that comes through the door because you just, you want to create some sort of foundation for yourself, but you get comfortable with uh, things that interest you. And so being able to pass on things that not only didn't interest me, but things that I felt I wasn't a good fit for, and maybe I shared it with a colleague. I really thought that that was um, an important learning for me. I would say when I started my own business, exactly what you said, identifying process was so crucial. And also, also I realized, Julie, it was something that I did not enjoy. A lot of the administrative <laughs> yeah. things. Oh yeah. Because I think, I think one of the cons of working for yourself is that you're, like, I like to call it a Jill of all trades. That's what I call myself because you were the founder and CEO, but you were also the administrative assistant and everything in between. And so really having cut your teeth in the corporate world where you really knew how to do all of those kind of administrative things and budgeting and, you know, looking at how do you resource appropriately and all of those um, important factors as you're thinking about your own business was something that I appreciated. And again, I didn't enjoy it, <laughs> but it's something that I appreciated that I had under my belt because I think if I had tried to start my own business very early in my career, I I feel like I would have figured it out, but it would have been much more challenging. I totally see that. Yeah. Like that's, you get there eventually, but it's helpful. Yeah. It's helpful to have that. Slow, slow and steady, slow and steady. Yeah. But I would say thinking about also working kind of going back to corporate America, one of the things that I've really enjoyed is working cross-functionally with so many people. I mean, even pre-COVID, right? <laughs> Just being able to learn and be in a space and feel the energy in the space and the excitement and enthusiasm that people bring to work each and every day gives you an excitement and enthusiasm for coming to work every day and learning from, from teams that perhaps, you know, I, I don't know a lot about software engineering, but I'm learning a lot about it <laughs> within our, our walls of Peloton because it's a lot, we talk about it often and frequently. So um, feeling that energy and, um, and bringing it to work every day and also bringing it home. My family's like, wow, you look so happy and you you really seem like you're enjoying yourself. And I'm like, I truly am, I truly am. My husband calls me the queen of Peloton <laughs> because I'm constantly talking about it. But it's because I, I enjoy what I do, but I also believe in what the brand stands for. 
That feels so good. That's very fortunate. Yeah. That just feels so good when you believe in it. That, that's amazing. 100%. This, this is kind of probably a tough question that I'm just, I'm just throwing it in here and I didn't even give you time to prepare. I apologize. But one, one thing I'm thinking as I'm talking, we're talking about your career path is just about PR, public relations and like the landscape. It has changed so tremendously, even since, I mean, definitely in the last couple of years, but I've, even the last decade as social media changes, as digital changes, what are some of the um, one or two like kind of top changes you've seen and, and something you really had to evolve, evolve in, in your jobs? PR is so vast. There are so many different types of PR and levels of PR. There's nonprofit PR, there's agency PR, there's in-house PR, um, and, and different levels within those. So that is a big question to answer. But I would say I, I feel like for the most part that public relations professionals have really started to become more brand generalists. Whereas prior, it may have been more just about media relations and strict, you know, relationships and can you pick up the phone and get an article placed or what kind of relationships do you have with the media, which is still a critical part of what we do day to day, but also being a partner when it comes to identifying what the brand voice is for the specific company that you're working for and really trying to align the messaging that you are creating on behalf of that, that brand so that you are um, creating, it's really reputational management and thought leadership opportunities on behalf of that brand. And I, that's where I have seen a lot of PR professionals kind of move more towards. And so instead of it being a little bit siloed, the role and the duties of public relations, I feel like have expanded in a good way because I think it's important for companies to think about PR and allow teams to have a seat at the table from the beginning, because we are such an important part of the conversation because we are essentially on top of advertising, we are helping represent brands in the media um, and many other ways, speaking engagements, so on and so forth. So I would say that's probably one of the seismic shifts that I've seen. Yeah, that's a, it's been, an, I feel like the industry has kept up with the changes and, um, but it's, it's just changing really rapidly. So that's yeah, really it, it interesting. Is. And I, and I, don't yeah. a, I don't think that's um, a bad thing. I think it's, I think it's a really positive thing and it's, it's forced people in the PR profession to really kind of broaden that muscle. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that many of us have been, um, it's something that we're excited about and interested in engaging in more. Absolutely. Yeah. And from my side of the business, which I work on the content marketing side, but I see like a lot of PR people just becoming like even more and more content creators um, and storytellers. They've always been storytellers and creating the story and the narrative. But I think that's been really interesting and exciting for people who want to work in PR. Kind of, I think, I feel like there's new opportunities of maybe it's not necessarily writing articles, but kind of being in that mindset of like content creation for the brand or for, you know, people promoting your brand. Yeah, 100%. I think that's a really great point. And I think when you're working inside a, a company or even at an agency, you are working not just within your PR team, but you may be working with the social team or the marketing team to create what that storytelling looks like. And then each arm goes out and tells 
their storytelling piece to their respective stakeholders and audiences. Absolutely, yeah, that's, that's it's exciting. And it, it's interesting when you're talking about the, you know, going back, what, going, working in-house at a company during COVID, like it is a very lonely time. And even if you're not able to work in person, I can definitely see the advantages. And I mean, I see it too, having coworkers of right now wanting to, you know, making sure you're communicating. It's probably a little bit easier to be isolated now if you're working for yourself when you were not going to coffees, going to in-person meetings. Um, so it probably it probably just takes a little bit more effort if you are working for yourself to get some of that fulfillment that if like you're working cross department in a company is kind of happening within your job. So that's kind of something I haven't, I'm, I'm thinking every day about how COVID is changing the workplace. Yeah, you know, it, it is interesting. And it's something that I've thought about as well. And I, I feel like people who have worked for themselves or had their own have a, a bit of a leg up in the midst of COVID. I, and I, I don't want it to seem like a positive thing. That's not how I'm trying to position it. But working for myself and by myself for a very long time, it wasn't as big of a transition for me, I think, when we started to have to work from home again, because it, that muscle kind of just shifted back to when I did it for so many years, sitting at my kitchen table with my laptop and, and working on behalf of my clients. That said, though, you, you absolutely have your moments when you're working for yourself, when you are going out and having coffee with colleagues or lunches, or you're going to networking events, or you're going to television segments with your clients, you know, to, to support them as they are about to, you know, appear, appear on air. So you definitely have a social aspect, which all of that has since gone away in the midst of COVID, but it is something that I also miss in working with my colleagues day to day, since most of us are working remotely. We're really exploring how COVID has been affecting women in the workplace. That's a conversation we want to have in this podcast. It's a huge conversation to be had, just so many women being forced out of the workplace, you know, all of the responsibilities of women at home, working from home, parenting. Um, what has your personal experience been? And, or, or what are you even seeing, you know, within your own work environment? What's kind of happening? What is the conversation you think we should be having about what's happening to the women in, in the workplace right now? Yeah, I think that women in particular have really had an uphill challenge with the pandemic. Many women, again, if, if you are a parent of any kind, but mostly if you are a mother, there's already a lot of responsibility with the children and, and home duties. But then when you add all of your work duties within the same space, creating differentiation is, is incredibly difficult. So trying to know when to kind of turn off the work switch and turn on the family switch <laughs> has, has been difficult. And I, I have heard it from colleagues, not, and not just mothers. I've heard it from colleagues who may just have partners or even those who live by themselves because they say, well, you know, I'm by myself and I can just do it 24 hours a day. I can just work 24 hours a totally. day. Here I am, my laptop's right here. I can roll over and it's right there in my nightstand or it's right next to me. And so learning how to disconnect, I will be the first to say I'm still figuring out how to do. <laughs> um, it was one of also the challenges that I had when I worked for myself. And it's, I think as a, as a woman and as a mother for me, you'd always wanna give your best and you always want to have the best output. And so what I have difficulty doing is switching that off so I can say, well, you're never gonna be able to give your best if you don't take time for yourself. 
trying to find those mental wellness moments have been critical and super valuable and important. And I have to remind myself of it. Um, team members, we have to remind each other, hey, go for a walk, get on your Peloton, no plug, <laughs> no plug intended there, but exercise, um, have a virtual coffee. You know, it's, you just have to get your brain away from work mode. And sometimes you have to schedule that in because if you don't, literally don't schedule it in, you could just continue going and going and going. And then you burn out and no one really wants that, right? Because I think we're all thankful that we are working and we are thankful that we feel supported, um, but we have to also support one another and re remind one another that we, we can't just drive, we can't drive ourselves into the ground with work constantly 24 seven. We have to give ourselves some grace. And sometimes that mean, might mean that you miss a deadline or sometimes that means that you have to say no to something, but you really have to take the best care of yourself because if you get sick or you're not able to do it, the work is just gonna shift to someone else. I, I think it's so like, I, I'm listening so intently. I'm like, yes, yes, nodding. I, I think what you're saying is so important. Well, one thing you said that I think is extremely important is acknowledging that it isn't just moms. I, I really think all the time of women I know who live by themselves. I think that is a huge, you know, not only is it hard and isolating and lonely, but they also are being taking on a, the brunt of work in, in a lot of situations where people do have to step back, right? Because we're talking about the conversation of right. women leaving, what happens to their work? And, and I see, you know, this could be literally a, a 10 hour conversation, but just... <laughs> I'm excited that this, as we're talking on this podcast more about like this specific topic, like to hear you just say like actionable things that makes me so, so happy. Like you're right. Take, we need to practice self-care. And I think that a lot of us are like, it just feels too big. <laughs> that feels like too big of a concept or mm -hmm. how we practice self-care before is not something we can do now, like get a massage. Well, you're probably not going to do that during COVID. Like certain things that you <laughs> right. go to the spa, maybe not like be in a steam room. I don't think so. But um, yeah, I love that. I think putting it in your calendar, taking a walk, like I'd, I'd love to hear. Yeah, if you, you, you have to, you have to think of them, Julie, I think it's like micro moments, right? Yeah. So you can't have these large elaborate, I'm going to go out with friends for three hours and, and hang out to network. It's, but those micro moments are so important. And you literally, I, I literally have to put in my calendar lunch, eat lunch. Because if I don't, if I don't hold a spot to eat lunch, I often don't eat for the entire day because you're just so busy with meetings and trying to get deliverables taken care of. And so you, you think, oh, of course, eat lunch. <laughs> but I think in a COVID world and what I've heard from many of my female friends and colleagues that it's not just, that's not a given anymore. It's so, it's so true. And like certain things, and, and this was a learning of mine early on, like the commute, you kind of talked about it before we were talking about coffee. Your commute really is like so valuable. I would not have said this to you even a year ago, kind of thinking about this, but just the, the time to amp up 
on your way to work or have some me time listening to a podcast on the train or like going to a coffee shop, treating yourself or coming home and having even 10 minutes to like decompress for the, so a little bit of, is it like, how can we recreate some of those things in a world where like many of us will probably never go back to an office or at least not for a long time. Right. And I think that you really hit upon an important point, especially for New Yorkers who are used to riding public transportation. But, but that time is, is indeed me time. And I can choose how I want to use that time. Do I want to listen to a podcast? Do I want to read a book? Do I want to check work emails? But that is my time. And it's, it is bookended my work time. But now you have no bookends to really say, okay, well, this is the definitive start and end to my day. There is no definitive start or end. And so the time where you would be commuting, you're now working on both ends. And I think that that's part of the challenge for women in being able to turn off the switch and say, okay, I am done until the next day because we don't have that, you know, pneumatic device, if you will, (laughs) to say, okay, I can officially turn off and, and be either by myself or with my family or whatever you do in your off time. It's so true. I did, I, this is great. I want to share that. I emailed someone yesterday and I got there out of office and it was literally, I'm taking a mental health day. Like mental health is important and I'm out of the office and here's who you can email. And I think by saying you're taking a mental health day, people will be less likely to like bother you in that way that so many people do if you're like out of the office. But also it's that thing of like, how do I take a day off when I don't have anything to do? Like, I don't have anything, to, right? I'm not like going on vacation or whatever. So I thought that was really cool. And I'm like, I'd love to implement that practice even within my own company or people to think about it, like take a, taking a mental health day. Right. And, and even if you can't, I love the idea of a mental health day, first of all, let me just say that. <laughs> and, 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 you can, and you can't take a mental health day every week. I mean, right. maybe you can, but I think it would be challenging to Probably do that. Probably not. But even if you can, but even if you can say to yourself, okay, one day a week, I'm going to hold an afternoon where I don't have meetings yeah. so that I can take that space to actually get some work done. Or maybe I do need to just run out and pick up packages. And I'm just, it's the one day I can do it because I have allotted time and I have given myself grace and acceptance that it's okay to not be sitting in front of a screen. And I'm going to allow myself to do that because I think we all work incredibly hard um, and many people work, many people and many, many women in particular, as I mentioned before, we go above and beyond because we care, but we also need to say, I don't need to work this way 24 seven. And in order for me to be my best self and show up as my best self every day, I need to allow myself the space to um, own some of that time back, even if it means during the work week, because I'm sure people are working on weekends. And, um, and sometimes you, for, for my job, because I work in public relations, the news doesn't stop. And so we're really on call 24 seven. And so I've worked weekends and I've worked on holidays, you know? Um, and so I have to remind myself that it has to balance out at the end, everything balances out at the end. And so if I need to take two hours on a Friday afternoon, because I, have a dental appointment or whatever. I, I shouldn't feel badly about that because that is my self-care. Absolutely. And it's, it's funny, like it's putting that on your calendar and then doing it. Like, I feel like so many of us, and this is the conversation we've all been having for years, like 
put your workout on your calendar. And then you just like have gym, you know, whatever workout or Peloton workout for an hour, twice a week. And then you just every time delete it. So, and I, I think with the, the one thing about us all working from home that we kind of been all alluding to this whole time, because we now have a little bit, a little bit of flexibility, like we can make up that time. We, you know, you, you can tr- try a little bit to get that balance. And I think putting on your calendar, and executing are, are the goals everyone should take away from this, like an hour a week, two hours a week. I definitely, um, I try to do no meeting Mondays because I feel like if I jump into the week with meetings, my week is just done and I get no work done. Like, right. so I try, it doesn't always happen, but at least in my mm-hmm. mentality, I'll try not to. And, it, and it, it gives me, it gives me a little bit of space. Now I have that flexibility in my job, but even a little thing, anything like that. I, I think it's really good advice just to, to, you know, take a few hours off for meetings also, cause we're yeah, zoom fatigue. Sure. And the other thing is, you know, are you doing an activity that you could do with a partner virtually, you know, have an accountability partner. If you feel like, Oh, I've really fallen off in terms of my physical fitness. Many people will get an accountability partner and they'll zoom each other <laughs> and they'll work out together to the same workout or um, you know they will just literally have a conversation how are you doing how are you feeling are you overwhelmed are you you know and that's that is also self-care like talking to friends about how they're doing and genuinely caring and being authentic that is self-care and so scheduling those moments also literally on your calendar are really really important as well uh, that's great yeah and easy to do and execute like, or fairly, fairly yeah. easy. What's well, easy these days, but right. fairly easy. Like, low lifts as I like to right. say. Exactly. Yeah. You're working at a company that's just, I mean, top of mind. Everyone at New York Women in Communications is so excited to be having this conversation and, and talking to someone from Peloton. Um, what are what are just some of the things you love about working there? On, from, from a positive place, what are just some of the things you love about working at that company? Oh my gosh, so many things. I, <laughs> I, I'm laughing because I, again, I joke, my, my husband makes fun of me because I have, I have um, drunk all of the Peloton Kool-Aid, as I like to say. <laughs> I'm just such a fan of the brand because I've, um, I've never worked for a company that I felt has been so authentically itself. And so the leadership team, as well as all the team members really care passionately about our members who are part of our platform and wanting to provide a service that truly does help people both in their physical fitness, but also in their mental fitness, which as we were just talking about is such a crucial part of what's happening and what people are talking about today. And so being part of that is incredibly humbling (laughs) to to start with. um, And I just feel very, very grateful. And I work with such smart people who are constantly innovating and thinking about how can we ongoingly improve the experience of our members. We always say we put members first. We're constantly thinking about how can we make it better? How can we make it easier? How can we create less friction for our members? And so watching really smart people do that every day is incredible. And it's something that I realized I missed when I was working by myself. Um, and also my personal team, uh, we're, we're just a group of rock stars, if I can say so myself. People who genuinely care, we all roll up our sleeves, we support one another. Um, also a group of incredible thinkers who are coming up with 
interesting storytelling ideas. You talked about storytelling before, um, being incredibly supportive and we continue to grow um, at a time when I know a lot of people unfortunately have had businesses shutter or people have lost jobs. Um, and I think the whole team feels very thankful for the fact that we work at this really great company that not only thinks about business, which is, you know, obviously we want to be profitable. <laughs> we want to, we right. want our business. It's a business, right? You want to make money. Right. Right. But they, but they care about issues as well. Um, and in, in light of everything that's happened in the last year, they, the, the team has been so thoughtful about not just kind of talking the talk and creating this external persona, but really being thoughtful about what does that mean and how can we make our own selves accountable as a brand to ensure that we are doing the right thing when it comes to social justice issues. I love that. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid right now. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> it's delicious Kool-Aid, Julie. It's delicious. <laughs> and it, it, it's, it's such a hard time because it's so difficult for so many people, but there are so many spaces where, you know, industries are growing certain things that just because our, our, I mean, my husband works in telemedicine. That's an industry that just shifted because of the situation of the world. So it's so interesting to have conversations that, with people at these companies and just hear like how they are growing and how it feels to be on the inside. And, um, you know, as you grow, it'll create opportunities for new people. So that's exciting as well. Well, I know exactly. we're approaching the end of our time somehow, but I wanted to ask you be before we wrap up, what's the best career advice that you've ever received? What's your favorite piece of career advice that someone's given you? Um, I would say this is going to sound pretty cliche, but for what I do day to day, it's absolutely on point, which is never burn a bridge because relationships and networking are just paramount <laughs> to what I do day to day. And so it's really important that you don't shut doors because you just never know. I mean, the instance where I worked with a woman who worked at Hearst and that's how I ultimately started working at Peloton, you know, that was a relationship that I built and has become a, a close friendship actually. And so I think that never burning a bridge is advice that I would continue to give others. It's such good advice. It's amazing. And it is shocking to me now, especially that I've been working in New York for this long, like who comes back into your life? Like it is, I mean, look at us. We haven't, <laughs> we work together. Exactly. When, exactly. like a decade, a decade ago. The world, I say New York City in particular, I say the world is very, very large, but New York City is incredibly small for being the largest city in the country. So yes. you just never know. Yep, there's like 10 of us here and we all just kind of keep running into each other exactly. over and over again. Exactly. Well, it has been just such a pleasure just to be generally reunited with you, but also to have this conversation and thank you for sharing your thoughts. I'm you know, this is just, there's so many topics I want to be talking to women about. I appreciate your time so much. Is there a place that our listeners can find you on social media, anywhere that they can follow? Yeah. So I am a visual person, so I really love Instagram. <laughs> so it's and I'm very easy. You can just follow me at Latina Lindsay. I'm very easy to find, or maybe I'm just not creative enough to come up with a really fancy name, but it's just Latina Lindsay on Instagram. And if you have any Peloton listeners out there, my leaderboard name is Brooklyn Chica. 
<laughs> I feel so. like that's such a good name that you got like got in. Like I feel like it's not like Latina. No, I feel like twenty two or whatever. Like, I feel like maybe I had to make up for my Instagram name <laughs> by being creative. Your name <laughs> as Instagram is great branding. It's, I think it's good branding. <laughs> I think that's good PR. Oh, that's so fun. Well, definitely. I hope that some of our listeners find you on Peloton. I'm I'm not a Peloton user yet, but I would say I'm like a millimeter from having one in, in my home in the next month. So okay. you should, you should do it, Julie. Just do it. <laughs> I'm sold. And then I'll no share my name once I get it. It's like, my brain is there. Just like my space in my apartment needs to get there. Um, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. I really like, this was an amazing conversation and we so appreciate your time and hearing all about your career and about um, this industry and Peloton as well. Of course, it's been my complete pleasure. I really appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to be talking to you and to all of your listeners and best of luck with everything. You've been listening to Coffee Break with New York Wiki. I'm your host, Julie Hockheiser-Ilkovich. Thank you to the amazing team that works on this podcast. Chelsea Orcutt, Elizabeth Roberts, Chrisanne Grizay, Mandy Carr, and Alex Fetter, who wrote our original theme music. And thank you to the team at New York Wiki who supports us, including, but not limited to, everyone at Kellen, Deidre Wyeth, and June Price, who designed the show's logo and does all of our graphics. For more information about Coffee Break with New York Wiki, go to nywici.org slash podcast. That's nywiki.org slash podcast. Thanks for listening.